Good morning again. I have something I want to do before I get started that's really important. Tim Thompson, our new youth pastor. Tim, would you come up here and join me so that... Uh... And I kind of wanted to, him to come up here and join me so you'd see how big he is. So, uh... And what I like to do while Tim's up here is to recognize youth council and youth workers that have helped us through this transition this spring. Would you stand? I know we've got a couple down here, a couple in the back over here, Paula's here, Ron. Uh, Ian, and, Ian and Anna, raise your hand. They were actually our interim uh, youth pastors, and so we really appreciate you. So. Um, thank you, Tim. Just want everybody to see you. Y'all, y'all make him feel welcome. Do everything you can. Um, I truly believe that God is preparing this church for uh, some really great things in children and youth ministry. And so, Tim, I'm excited about you being here and look forward to working with you. Uh, other thing is, I didn't mention this either. Second grade Bibles is next week, and uh, uh, Sarah Heron has made a list of those that are in our church, but I'm one of those, I like to give Bibles away to as many people as possible, particularly to kids that are learning how to read. If you know a second grader anywhere, let us know so that we can give them a Bible, all right? Even better if they're here to receive it next week. We're going to have kind of a presentation ceremony. So let us know. We want to give out as many Bibles as we possibly can to help our kids as they learn how to read to have the Bible as a source of strength and faith. All right. Graduation time. This spring... Over 7 million individuals will graduate from high school, college, and graduate school. Are you shocked about that? I looked it up and I couldn't believe it. 7 million. More than half of those are graduating from high school. More than half are graduating from high school. Graduation is one of the greatest rites of passage that we have in our society where friends and family join with the graduate in celebrating their accomplishments and looking forward to the future with hope and anticipation. It's a great time. Over the last 20 years, actually a whole lot more than that, I've been studying leadership and, and generational uh, patterns. And... Um, I've, I've kind of learned a few things about leadership and, and generations, but one of the things that I discovered is that some of the greatest speeches and presentations of leadership happens at commencement services. Who would have thought it? But you know, it makes sense. Commencement services are, are a, a look into the future. They are a time for the speaker to inspire those graduates to move forward, to be great leaders, to be change agents, to be those who are making a difference in, in our society. One of my favorite commencement keynote speeches was given by Admiral William McCraven 
in 2014 at the University of Texas in Austin. Now, I want to tell you, as an SMU grad, I don't like quoting <laughs> UT grads. <laughs> but this guy was tremendous. The whole speech was about changing the world. And here was number one. And you're going to love this. If you want to change the world, start out by making your bed every morning. N nobody's going to laugh at that. <laughs> start out by making your bed every morning. I mean, as I'm watching this, you could hear the students cackle, you know, and groan. You know, where's this guy going with this? I could hear my grandmother in the back of my head. Make your bed, make your bed, make your bed. The point he was trying to make is that it is the little things that matter in life. For little things stack up to amount to great accomplishments. Every great, every great leader starts somewhere. They start somewhere. McRaven goes on, and the real point of his address is this. If you want to change the world, measure a person by the size of their heart. By the size of their heart. It's not the size of our bank account. It's not the size of our, uh, of our skill set. It's not the size of our education, the number of degrees that one might get, although that's important. Rather, it is the size of the heart. As we look forward with passion, anticipation, and hope to make a difference in this world. He says that, that those who, have, uh, who are driven by hope, who are driven by opportunity, who are driven by a vision of what the world can be like, a, a driven by a faith in something bigger than themselves, those are the ones that can make a difference and change the world. He says that one person, one person driven by hope, one person with a vision for what the world can be like can change the world. One person. And you know what? As I was listening to his address, I thought to myself, I know that person. I know that person. Jesus Christ. The one person that has changed the world like no other since before or after who continues to change the world through us. Jesus Christ, for through us, Christ is changing the world. And this is our hope. This is our vision. And this is the source of what can really change the world. I truly believe it. And that's what I want to talk to, about today. That God, is in, that God has made all of us intentionally for a purpose in life. That God has made us in such a way to... To bring in the kingdom of God on earth to make a difference, to change the world. And God's design is not an accident. God's design is not an accident. 
Now, in, in some ways, this sermon could be seen as merely for those who are graduating. And in some ways, it is. I want to challenge these seniors to go forward with hope, anticipation, and vision, and, and a passion to make a difference in this world. But really, this, this word is for all of us. This, this word is for all of us because God's claim on our lives is ageless. We never outgrow God's purpose for our lives. We never outgrow how God might use us for good. We never outgrow the opportunities to change the world one person, one neighborhood, one community at a time. So this word is for all of us. All of us. And I hope you find it so. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. May these words be your words, O oh God, and for all that I don't speak or misspeak, may you fill in the gaps. Hide me behind the cross this day, O oh God, that your word and only your word would be heard. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The book of Jeremiah is Jeremiah's testimony and prophecy. He begins his testimony by sharing God's call on his life. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This was the word that Jeremiah heard. Before you were in the womb, I knew you. Wow. Hmm. Jeremiah's sharing his call. And even though Jeremiah is probably just a teenager, he's being called to a tough and important task of being a prophet for God. Prophets in that day, really in our day, weren't very popular. They were saying the things that people did not want to hear. Why would God call a teenager? And, and the interesting thing about God, Jeremiah's call is that God tells him that God started preparing him before he was even born. Before he was conceived. And I believe the same is true for our lives. That God has been preparing our purpose since before we were born. Jeremiah is reminding us that every birth, no matter how accidental it may seem, has a purpose. Before God formed us in the womb, God knew all of us and formed us for a purpose. And, and I believe that he's brought us all to this moment with gifts, abilities, life experiences for a great purpose. And I believe also that this nation is ripe for God's way and God's word. It is ripe for revival like no other time in my life and maybe no other time in the history of our nation. Now, you've heard me say this and I'm going to say it over and over again. And I believe that God is calling us into that cause and into that purpose. 
that God wants to use us in ways greater than we can possibly imagine so that the goodness of God can sweep across our nation, changing lives and families and businesses and schools and, and institutions in ways that we have never seen. In ways that we have never seen. And God has been preparing us for this day for decades. For example, every generation is different. Our lives, our behaviors, core values are influenced by the culture and the events of our lives. And I believe God, I believe God uses these events and circumstances to mold us. In fact, they're there in Jeremiah, you know, when I formed you, the Hebrew word means to mold, to form, to shape. I believe God uses these circumstances to prepare us. And I want to talk about the current generation, and specifically those who were born after 1996. They're called Generation Z. Um, and in some ways, they are like the millennials called Generation Y. Who gives generations these names? I mean, you know, Generation X, Generation Y, Generation Z. Where do they get this stuff? But here's what we know. Here's what we know. Those born after 1996, though it's not absolute... They do have common attributes. They are self-reliant, socially responsible. They welcome change. They value education and are tolerant to social and cultural differences in people. They, Gen Z has these characteristics and much like the millennials and the generation before them, which, which was born after 1980, and, and when you begin to kind of think about it, as, as I work through this, God has been preparing us and these generations for this moment for over 30 years. For over 30 years. It's like God has anticipated the crisis that is before us in our nation. For Gen Z has those characteristics, but here's what's interesting. 93% of this generation, almost all of them, feel socially responsible to make it to make a difference. Two-thirds of them want a job where they can make a difference in our society. And while 35% of the millennials, which was the highest rate in our history, 35% of the millennials had college educations, it is projected that over 50% of this generation will get a college degree. Unprecedented. Now, Here's what we're facing. Since the mid-90s, slowly but surely, we've seen communication move away from face-to-face -face and on the phone to hear voice inflection to see somebody's face to more digital. Text, Facebook, other kinds of digital platforms. We seem to be connected to our phones more and more. This generation, uh, as I've read, read about it, it says that they are not technically dependent, rather they are technical natives. In other words, technology is like a language to them. And here's what they're doing with it. 
They're using the technology language to bring people together. 80% of this generation prefers face-to-face interaction. Did you hear that, Tim? 80% of the kids that you're working with want a personal interaction face-to-face. Now, they're going to use technology to get to that point, but that is a huge shift in our, in our culture. And as I think about it, and I'm thinking about what God is doing, what God needs to do right now, particularly on the heels of COVID-19, where we have been separated and segmented and divided by this disease, we need community worse than we have ever needed We need that connection worse than we have ever needed it. We need to bring people together in ways that 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 that, so that so that people can be blessed by that human interaction. And when you think about it, if you look at these generations, God has been preparing for this day for 30 years. Before you were even conceived. God was preparing the purpose for your life. As I look at the great needs of the church, our nation, the world, the past two generations are uniquely set to meet those needs. Now, I know some of you are thinking, yeah, but those generations frustrate me. You know what? Just because they're different doesn't make them any less effective. Let's see what can happen. And I know what you're also thinking. Okay, you know, God called Jeremiah, and God said, go where I send you and say what I tell you. Well, how do I know that? I want to follow God's will. I want to go where God sends me. I want, to, I want to say what God wants me to say. But how do I know that? How do I know that? In fact, Jeremiah basically protests as he realizes what God is saying to him. He says, um, how will I know? Basically, I'm, This is my interpretation. It's a little bit of a paraphrase. Kind of a, well, I'm taking a lot of, a, a lot of uh, liberties with the Hebrew here. Not, uh, how will I know? You've got to be kidding me. Not me. I'm just a boy. No one listens to me. I, I, I still have a curfew. If I interrupt my elders, I get grounded. Not me. And God responds just basically, don't worry. You listen to me. Go where I send you. Say the words that I give you. Do not be afraid, for I will protect you. Easy to say. Hard to follow. And I just want to say to everybody in here that this word is for all of us. This word is for all of us. Okay? And for, for me, the direction for my life begins in this place. Being a part of a church community. Now, and I'm talking about a community, not just a place to come and to participate in, in a worship service and then go home and have no connections. I mean, really be a part of a community. It is the community that, that dialogues with me, that holds me accountable, that, that listens to me and, and, 
and, and, and we dialogue, and I hear God's voice in the community. So how do we know where to go? What do we know what to say? Denzel Washington, in his commencement address to Drexel University back in 2015, interestingly enough, this is what he began with. You know who Denzel Washington is, don't you? Okay. This is what he said. Put God first. Put God first. You know, that's a bold claim for a well-known Hollywood actor. Put God first. He goes on to say, put God first in everything you do, everything you think you see in me, everything that I have accomplished, everything that you think I have, and I have a few things, everything I have is by the grace of God. Understand that it is a gift. Wow. He goes on to encourage those graduates to be willing to fail. He says, you cannot hope to succeed in this world if you're not willing to put yourself out there to risk for a cause, to strive to make a difference. Did you hear that? Put God first. And, and here's, as, as I look at the word from Jeremiah, and as Denzel Washington reminds me, as, as I put God first, and, I, and I'm not just talking about when I walk in the doors of this church, as, as I put God first in my relationships, in my work, in my neighborhood, uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. God's will, way, and word becomes clearer for the next day. And it enables me, therefore, then to take the next step. Put God first and then just take the next step. And it may not be a big step. It may not be a, a, a step that anyone notices. But just take the next step. And maybe the next step is, is going to college. Or maybe the next step is getting a job. Or maybe the next step is, is uh, changing jobs. Or maybe the next step is, who knows, maybe the next step is retirement. Take the next step and see where God is. And the next and the next. God is not going to reveal the whole journey to us. It's called faith. One step at a time. Put God first. Take the next step. Put God first. Take the next step and be willing to take a risk. And this may be the most important of, of uh, how we get to where God is sending us and what God wants us to say, because so many of us live a safe life. We don't want to take, <laughs> take any risk. But you know what? When I read the scriptures, as I read through the entire Bible, God treats failure and success the same way. They are both imposters. And God uses success and failure for our benefit. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that God sends failure upon us, but God uses it. God uses it to teach us or maybe to change our direction. And in failure, we find another place, another opportunity that's even greater than the other. But in order to fail, we have to put ourselves out there 
and to not be afraid. Take the next step. Be willing to fail. And then finally say thank you. And here's the value of saying thank you. Again, as I read the scriptures, and the scriptures again and again encourage us to to live our lives with gratitude, to live our lives counting our blessings. And the reason for that is that as we count our blessings and as we say thank you, we notice the goodness of God and becomes more apparent and more visible and more available. As we say thank you, so then we see the next blessing and the next that comes with opportunity. Put God first. Take the next step. Be willing to fail and say thank you. Graduates, say thank you. Parents, say thank you. Grandparents, say thank you. No matter where you are in your life, say thank you. Look for the goodness of God. And as we look for that goodness, we will see more of it and experience more of it. And though God is probably blessing us at the same rate, we will experience that blessing at a, at a greater volume. So, I wonder, I wonder if in this moment, in this place, if we might hear God's call upon our life. And maybe it's something little. Or maybe God is calling you to something incredible. What would it look like this morning for you to listen for God's call in your life? What would it look like for you to say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, and I am willing to follow you in all things. I am willing to put you first. Speak to me, send me, make me, mold me. I put myself at your disposal. I say yes to you. Yes to you for the rest of my life. You know, that's why we're here. You came to worship today to sing the songs, to hear the scripture read, but primarily that maybe God would have something for you and something that someone said that I said that the music said to you today. So put God first. Take the next step. Don't be afraid to fail. And say thank you. And pray this prayer. Oh Lord God, I'm not here in this world to just be my own person. I'm not here to be whomever and whatever I want to do to please myself. I'm here to be what you want me to be, God. To whom you have created me to be. To whom you have made me to be. And this morning, oh God, I want to say to you, I want to be yours for the rest of my life, wholly and completely. And today, I give myself 
to you.